from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. My name is Karen Thompson. I'm currently serving as an elder on the session here at First Pres. Please join me in our call to worship. God is gracious to us and blesses us. We give thanks for all God's blessings. God provides for our every need. We give thanks for the Lord's gracious provision. God hears us and responds in love over and over again. We give thanks for the grace that sustains us. Let us worship the Lord our God together. And please turn in your pew Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. It's on page 68 in the New Testament. And I'm actually going to start with verse 1 instead of verse 5 so that we get the context of our parable for this morning. Hear now God's word. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
and let us pray. Lord, may these old words speak to us in new ways today, preparing us to live as the people you would have us be. In Christ's name, amen. Sometimes the children's message sums it up, and I have to say that the outcome of this parable is kind of a bummer. It comes to the disciples as a lesson about hospitality inside the greater context of a lesson about prayer, but it doesn't really land for us as something that might happen in our world. It just isn't a scene from our own culture. So just before the parable, Jesus has taught his disciples a version of what we pray as the Lord's Prayer, to ask for forgiveness, to ask God to give them each their daily bread. But then he tells a parable about a man who seeks bread and does not receive hospitality. Jesus invites his disciples to think of themselves in the role of the person who needs a little help. He says, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight. Now we can probably identify with the part about needing a little help from our friends, but right off the bat, this scene is strange to us. We value hospitality, but what we think we know about it is quite different from what this scene understands. We just don't live in a culture that expects us to open our doors and welcome travelers in the middle of the night. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. That was risky. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> People showing up at our homes unexpected and uninvited makes us uncomfortable. And a knock at midnight is actually terrifying. This happened to us one night. I asked Joel last night if he remembered. Somehow he didn't, but I do. Someone knocked on our door in the middle of the night. We were asleep, and they banged enough to wake us up. I sent Joel to the door. I grabbed the phone because I was preparing to call the police. I ran into baby James's room, I guess because I thought I would guard him with my body if it came to that. It was a terrifying moment. It worked out fine. It was a person who had come to our house because our porch light was on. But anybody who's watched Dateline knows that if a knock comes on your door at midnight, it's either terrible news or somebody's going to hurt you. So a knock at midnight is a terrifying thing. If it happens, what are we going to do? We're going to creep cautiously to the door. We're going to turn on the lights and call out, who is it? We're going to look through a peephole, and we're only going to open the door if we feel like we'll be totally safe. There was some of that same danger in the ancient world, too, but a knock at midnight would have been different then. Hospitality then was not just an idea. It was not using nice manners or greeting someone graciously when you meet them. It was a prevailing cultural system. It was an economy of hospitality. It required that people would open their homes and provide food and welcome in strangers and friends. It was necessary because travelers walked and they rode on animals. So they tried to travel in the cool of the evening. And because they had to carry water and food, they often didn't have enough for a whole journey. They relied on hospitality along their way, stopping sometimes in the middle of the night to sleep and quite literally to ask for their daily bread. This parable opens 
with someone who's had a traveler like this show up at his door, and he doesn't have enough bread to offer the kind of hospitality he should. But he doesn't want to leave the friend hungry or send him away, so he runs to another friend's house and asks for three loaves so that he can be hospitable. Jesus tells us that he asks once, so we can assume that he felt confident that the economy of hospitality was going to work, that the person was going to open his door and give him the bread so that he could fill his friend's need. But that just isn't what happens in the parable. When the friend knocks at midnight, he doesn't get a warm welcome. He's not invited in. He's not given any bread. Did you hear what he hears instead? Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are in bed with me, and I can't get up and give you anything. In other words, I need to stay where I am. I need a good night's sleep. I need to keep these kids in bed. Right now, my needs are more important than yours. Maybe that's understandable. We don't like to be startled or bothered, especially at night, especially if there are kids asleep in the house, and we've worked hard to achieve that. But we can see a balancing emerging as this scene unfolds. On one side is one person's need, literally a need for daily bread. On the other side is the other person's time, effort, inconvenience. We start to think we see the lesson coming out of this parable. We're supposed to be hospitable. We're not supposed to turn someone away, even if it's inconvenient for us. But as he so often does, Jesus closes the parable in a way that surprises us. He says that the homeowner will finally get up and answer the request, not because of his friendship, but because of his friend's persistence. He'll get up and give his friend the bread to get him to go away. I have to say, that is hard to square with what we think we know about hospitality and our call as Christians. It's hard enough to know what hospitality means from a parable like this in a world where we don't open our doors to travelers at midnight. And it's even harder than that, because we don't think it's enough to be hospitable just to get someone to go away. We don't think it's enough to give another person bread just because it's required of us. It's a jarring into the scene. It's kind of a bummer. But it shows us some important things. One is that it's been true of people for thousands of years that when asked for help, when faced with the need of another, they will weigh it against their own needs. And sometimes they, we, will decide that we can't or won't offer bread. And second, the parable isn't the end of the lesson. With this parable, Jesus sets up a contrast between how we respond to each other and how God responds to us. Jesus pulls the lesson of the parable back to prayer, telling his disciples to ask and it will be given, seek and they will find, knock and the door will be opened. Pray to God with confidence and trust. God will not weigh your need against anything else. God will not say to you that the house is already closed up for the night. Now this seek, ask, knock lesson has been used in a lot of contexts over a lot of years. And one of the interpretations has been that if we ask or seek or knock, 
God will give us whatever we want. But there's nothing in this text about our wants. The parable isn't about wants. The traveler and his friend ask only for bread. And the prayer Jesus taught his disciples is to ask for their daily bread, not for what they want, for what they need for spiritual and physical food for a day. People have also interpreted this seek, ask, knock lesson to mean that God will respond to our prayers if we pester God enough. But that also isn't the God we see here. This isn't the picture of a God who is nagged and browbeaten into giving us good gifts. No. Jesus compares God's care for us to the way a parent responds to the needs of a child. If a child asked for a fish or cereal, no one among us would give a snake. If a child asked for an egg, no one would give a scorpion. If a child asked for something needed to live, like food, no one would give something that takes away life, like a snake or a scorpion. How much more then will God, who gives us life, share with us? It is in our persistence that gets God to hear our prayers. God hears our prayers because we are God's own. This is something we sort of know as children. Every one of our children down here this morning, thankfully, was fed today. Children usually, they don't have any qualms about telling you when they're hungry or thirsty, when they don't feel well, when they have to go to the bathroom even though you just left the house, when they need love. But what do we do as adults? Do we ask and seek and knock with God for ourselves and for others? And how about when we receive a knock at midnight? Do we open the door in hospitality? My little family was together last week with my parents and brother and sister-in-law and niece and nephew, and we were a big crowd, and we sat down for dinner, and maybe you've had an experience like this at a gathering when everyone is excited and everyone's talking at once and everyone needs a little attention, needs to be heard, has something exciting to share. Well, we had a moment like that when people were talking over each other. And our three-year-old nephew, who's our youngest and most talkative member, threw his hands in the air and said, can I talk? Can I talk? Can I talk? We were all stunned and we stopped. And what did we do? We turned to him and said, yes, baby, you can talk, and we are listening. It was funny in the moment, but it was also a great reminder. My nephew had every confidence that his need would be met, and we met it. We heard it and answered him. Now, that was a really simple need to fill. But it has stayed with me this week as I've heard, as all of you have heard, sisters and brothers around the world crying out with their needs, needs to be safe, needs to be fed, needs to be heard, to be known, to be welcomed in hospitality. The violence, 
of last summer's shooting at Mother Emanuel and San Bernardino and Orlando and shootings overnight last night and so many in between, terrorist attacks all around the world, including one in Istanbul that killed two Emory students, shootings by police officers, shootings of police officers. There's so much violence that we're left feeling sad and angry and fearful and probably so many other things. All of those events have opened a floodgate of messages in a world of endless media. They've given us an ear into how people react to one another how people treat each other, what people say when faced with the need of another person. We've seen some amazing images of forgiveness and unity and the power of love. But we've also seen in speeches and protests and hashtags how often the human response to another's need is not to listen and fill the need, but to weigh that need against our own. As sisters and brothers who live in silence and fear have cried out to be heard, the response they've received, maybe even from us, has not been, tell me more. Let me understand your experience let us share hospitality together. Instead, it has too often been, what about my needs? When someone has cried out for affirmation that his life matters, the response has not been, yes, your life matters. It has instead been, what about my life? Friends, when someone knocks on our doors asking for bread, our Christian response is not, you don't need bread. It is not, well, I need bread too. It is not, I'll give you bread if it works for me. How often, when someone asks something of us, do we evaluate their need? It may be subconscious, but I bet we've all run through a list of questions. Does this person really need this? Are they right to need this? What else do I have on my plate? Am I going to have time to help? How much is it going to put me out? We surely do not mean to be judgmental or inhospitable. Our lives are set up as an economy of time. We're encouraged to prioritize, not to be overextended. It's practical. It's self-preserving, it's efficient. But as an elder of this church reminded some of us recently, Jesus did not come to this earth to make us efficient. Jesus came to bring radical hospitality and keeps bringing it. Every time we ask, every time we seek, every time we knock, and our call is the same. Some of the knocks that come our way are easy to hear. And when we get out of bed and answer those doors, we feel pretty good about ourselves. 
It doesn't require anything of us to listen to an excited kid who wants to tell you a story. And it's pretty easy to give things in response to needs. Needed things, food and Marta cards and shoes, but things that only take a moment. What about the needs that come our way that ask so much more of us? What about the knocks on our doors that require us to build a relationship over a long time? What about knocks that mean giving up time we would have spent doing something we wanted to do? What about the knocks that require us to listen deeply to the experience of another? What about the knocks that call us to examine our own assumptions? How do we offer hospitality then? Well, it's sort of simple, but very hard. First, we can look another person in the eye. We can see each other and recognize that each one of us is a stranger who has needed welcome. Second, we can listen. Just listen. Living hospitably means not just seeing, but knowing another person, and not because we feel obligated to, and not because we think we're bringing something so great and it's a great gift to the other person that we would listen. No, we have to listen because we know we have something to learn. We have to listen because we know we need to be transformed. And we need to acknowledge that we all need. We need the God who hears and responds. We need help from each other. A friend from my hometown has gotten involved with an effort called Speaking Down Barriers. The idea is somewhat simple, but the reality is surprising in our context. It's a diverse group of people, different races, different ages, different backgrounds, and their only purpose is to see and hear each other. They get together and share stories. They find out where their lives intersect in ways that surprise them. The group gets together in different cities. The people in the room change. They use whatever space they can get, and they just get to know each other. They're breaking down the walls of racism. They're fighting assumptions that lead to tragedies like police shootings and nightclub attacks and trucks driven into holiday crowds. But the purpose of the group isn't to combat social ills. It's just to offer hospitality, just to hear the needs of another, to know and to be known. In the face of violence that seems to come at us every single day, it's easy to feel like there's nothing we can do. And this parable feels like it's far removed from our world and our own experience, but it isn't. We can show Christian hospitality every day, person to person, group to group, because opportunities to know people and to welcome people come to us all the time. The knock at midnight will sometimes actually feel dangerous. It will sometimes make us bristle and feel like we need to defend ourselves or assert our own needs. 
It will often feel like an inconvenience. It will always require that we stop and listen and look another person in the eye and care. As I've tried to process the violence of the last few weeks, I've been paying attention, maybe better attention, to the knocks in my own life, not one of which was as easy as my talkative nephew. For me, sometimes, the knock has come from a visitor to this church who's intimidated by this space, who doesn't know all the words to the Apostles' Creed by heart and thinks she doesn't fit in here. The knock has come from an elementary school principal who needs help making a safe place for children. The knock has come in a letter from someone with no family left who's so lonely that he wonders whether it matters that he's still alive. The knock has come from a refugee who needs shelter and help understanding street signs and paperwork and how to buy groceries. The knock has come from someone who didn't feel worthy to take communion here. The knock has come from someone who can't access our justice system. The knock has come from my children as they try to understand shootings and violence and fear. The knock has come from colleagues and friends I thought I already knew who offered me the great gift of knowing them better or knowing them really. Sometimes the knock will come just to one of us, like a phone call from someone who's gotten deadly news that changes life forever. Sometimes, friends, the knock comes to all of us together as a community in a public call to stand in solidarity with those who live in fear. The knocks come to all of us from people who look like us, from people who don't look like us, from people in the church who are hurting, from people outside the church who are hurting, from people who stand with hope enough to knock, from people who ask only that we would look them in the eye and listen and care, that we would welcome them as we have been welcomed. Friends, whatever the knocks we hear, let's get up and open the door. Amen. Amen. We need Jesus every hour, don't we, friends? Go now from this place in peace, trusting in the God who hears us and being willing to open the door to the one who comes to us in need. And may the peace of that Lord sustain you and fill your hearts and guard you against all evil, now and forever. Amen. Amen.